Uh, I'm going to add one prayer to that as well for being concise. Uh, I was sharing with Joel this morning and, well, a few of the house group and others that I really didn't know what God was going to um, give me for this morning. Um, and that's fine. I used to be really panicky and I like to prepare sort of three or four weeks before I knew I was speaking. And because of various experiences of faith and what have you, I've realized that that's, that's not necessary now. Um, so it got to Friday and I was still, I was starting to think, hmm, it would be nice to have something now. And I mentioned it at, um, in the leaders meeting um, and Joel and Chris uh, suggested a couple of things that got me thinking. Um, and I'd been thinking about messengers and messaging and wondered whether to talk about the seven churches in Revelation, but we only get sort of 20, 25 minutes and that would obviously be a long preach, so maybe that's a series for a later date. And then I was thinking about angels and stuff and then Joel happened to mention, well, it's, it is Advent and we're doing ordinary people. Why don't you talk about the shepherds? That fits with you. For those who don't know, I've got a small holding, I've got a few sheep of my own, that's not my job, but I, it's a hobby. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, but how can you do a preach on the shepherds? And anyway, I started looking into it, um, and actually it got quite exciting. And I just want to share with you some of what I learned, because I haven't got time to share with you all of it. Um, But it was a fantastic time on Friday, just spending time with God. It was a day of annual leave for me, um, and uh, it was just really nice to to be... So, yeah, I'm hoping I can summarise a day and a half stuff in, in 10, 15 minutes. And I'm already waffling using up my time... But I do want to share one more thing, because this morning's service has just confirmed to me that being a, talking about messengers and that sort of stuff, and angels and shepherds, and links so beautifully with what we've been singing, what we're going to do after the service, whether that's part of the HOTS team, whether that's uh, delivering Christmas cards, whether that is going back into our everyday life and still being a messenger of Jesus. And... While we were praying for the HOTS team, uh, I just was reminded of, by, by God of a, of a passage that I often like to use when we pray for people. And I just wanted to share it. I was going to give it to, I've messaged it to Doradore, but then I thought it was right to actually just share this. So apologies, I'm using up some of my time, but it's only myself to blame. Um, Isaiah 61. And so for anybody that's going out this, after this service, and that, let's face it, that's all of us, uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. That links. Anyway, sorry. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Thank you, Lord, that you have ordained each one of us to be a minister of your message, to bring all of those things that we just read there, and that you've ordained us for that, and you've equipped us through your Holy Spirit. 
Help us to rely on you, Holy Spirit, as we speak in faith of the good news, of what you've done for each one of us, as we share our testimonies and what God is going to do. Amen. Right, apologies for that digression. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry at all for that. Okay, let's go. So, ordinary people, extraordinary God, I'm going to go a bit quicker through these, and I forget that that doesn't change at the same time. So, of course, we all know this by now. We're going through this series um, talking about God being extraordinary, but how throughout Scripture he uses how we would describe ordinary people. People like you and me, but our extraordinary God seems to be able to work wonders. So why would God choose you? And you all might still be saying that. For those of you who've been, who've been listening to all these sermons, hopefully you're starting to realise that it's a case of why not. For those of you who haven't heard so many, hopefully you'll be able to still see that the answer is why not. Why God, can't God use you? Because it says there, every character that we admire in the Bible is an ordinary person, but they choose to serve an extraordinary God. And what does that mean? That potentially means just making yourself available and willing. And we've been sharing this slide, and I I love this slide, um, and I'll show you for why in a second. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And I've shared this several times before from the front, but if you'd have told me 15 years ago that I would be standing here preaching to one or two people, let alone uh, the, the large number that we have here this morning, then I would have just laughed at you and said, no chance. But God has been working in me and has been helping me and strengthening me, and it's by him that I do it. And that's where we come to the foolish. Why? Uh, But God does use the foolish. And this is from uh, our Christmas nativity performance that we did, I don't know, two, three years ago. And we all thought it would be fun to dress up in our dressing gown uh, with a tea towel on our head, a bit of tinsel. Um, That's fatty in the background. Not in the foreground, before anybody is rude. (laughs) Fatty, uh, one of my favourite sheep, uh, sadly no longer with us, uh, in the background... No, I didn't eat him, unfortunately. Not, not, not her. But I, sorry, I shouldn't say that because I know some people. But anyway, my lambs are tasty. Anyway, uh, so at Christmas we are used to seeing uh, our children dress up with tea towels on their head, putting on their pajamas and their dressing gowns, uh, pretending to be uh, shepherds. Absolutely adorable, but perhaps a little bit far from what the real shepherds looked like at the time of Jesus' birth. They were hardened, usually men, but not always. We know Rachel, for example, was a shepherd. Their life was potentially quite lonely, obscure, and some of the people actually scorned them and didn't trust them, possibly because they were out of sight, out of mind. And so perhaps a real shepherd might look a little bit more like this, dirty, hasn't cut his hair, In fact, that's quite a terrible photo of me, isn't it? This is when I first went lambing for my first year as a vet student, so way back in 1994. And I remember coming in thinking, I am absolutely shattered, I'm filthy, I'm smelly. They're going to invite me in to sit at their table and eat supper with them, the the owners of the farm, and I'm not really worthy or suitably dressed. 
and they just said, come in and eat with me. That in itself is a picture. But dirty, smelly, tired. And then one of my favourite Christmas scenes that we filmed at our farm with the children uh, and Ed. Uh, we didn't have enough wise men, so Ed became one of the wise men for us. And you can see him there offering a scalectrics, I think it was. Um, many nativity scenes include the wise men alongside the shepherds. But actually, the timing was quite different. The shepherds were the first people to be notified that Jesus had been born. And so as I was reading through it, I realized what an important part they have to play and what lessons we can learn from them. And of course, it's only recorded in Luke. We know that Matthew talks about the genealogy. We know John talks about Jesus' deity. And Mark just goes straight to him as an adult. So we've got to look in Luke. Um, so we do only have what Luke tells us. So we're going to read from Luke. It's a bit small. If you want to read along with me, you're more than welcome. Um, but it is quite small. So I appreciate uh, if, if not. And if not, you can just let me read to you, hopefully. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom with he is pleased. Sorry, there is going to be a bit more, but... Ah. How do I get rid of a keyboard on the iPad? I have not got a clue. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry about that. Okay, let's carry on. Oh, no, I was there, wasn't I? For you, not for me. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up those things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Lord, we just thank you for your words. Um, we thank you that, although familiar to each one of us more than uh, that, you still have new things to teach us. Lord, that we can uh, know more about you through looking through these verses. Amen. So, a shepherd. The sheep owner quite often was the shepherd, tending the flock for themselves. And therefore, they would be well looked after. And if they weren't the owners themselves, it was often a member of the family, possibly the eldest son. And so, 
It was in their own interest to look after their sheep. And here I am, cuddling one of my newborn lambs. Mum didn't have much milk. I had to give it some additional colostrum. She wasn't the best of mothers. It was cold. It needed warming up. Took it in the house for some milk and a cuddle. Yes, it was sweet, but why? Because I cared for this lamb. I wanted this lamb to pull through and make it. And this year, she's one of my ewe lambs that's been served by the ram. So it's a nice story. But when I go to farms as a vet where the shepherd is perhaps not the owner, but is a member of staff, they don't necessarily have that same involvement and passion. And John 10.12 says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. So the chief care of a shepherd is to see that the sheep find plenty to eat and drink. And it's a job that never stops. It's ongoing. And I looked up the original words just to see. And in Hebrew and Greek, it's the same. To tend, care for, feed, rule. It's where we get the word pastor from. It's where we get the word in in Welsh, bigar from. Meaning the same thing. The shepherd, the pastor. Say, in old times, it was often the child. It was often the youngest son. Uh, So the other sons, the older kids, got to choose other jobs. The youngest one ended up just looking after the sheep. And it wasn't considered a privileged position. First century Philistine, when we're talking about here, it wasn't a privileged position. And in fact, Jewish leaders often criticized the shepherds because they weren't weren't abiding by the Sabbath. I think that often with our poor farmers working 24-7, how do we get to those farmers? How do we minister to them? Anybody in a job like that, unsociable hours, nurses in our congregation that have to work on a Sunday. Bless you guys. And so they weren't particularly uh, considered necessarily great people. And this is perhaps more like it. A shepherd with a wolfskin coat on in the winter, a short sleeve version in the summer. Carrying some equipment with him. And I just want to read to you from the encyclopedia, just so you get an idea of what these shepherds were like. The shepherd frequently carries with him a pail from which the sheep can drink when the water is not accessible to them. On the mountaintops, the melting snow supply the needed water. In other districts, it's drawn from deep wells. The usual time for watering is at noon, at which time the flocks are led to the watering places. Really, really hot, sweaty, dedicated to the cause. They've got to be. After drinking, the animals lie down or huddle together in the shade of, of a rock while the shepherd sleeps. And at first sound of his call, which is usually a peculiar guttural sound, hard to imitate, so I'm not going to, the flock follows off to new feeding grounds. Even should two shepherds call their flocks at the same time, the sheep be intermingled, they never mistake their own master's voice. The shepherd's equipment is a simple one. His chief garment is a cloak woven from wool or made from sheepskins. This is sleeveless and so made that it hangs like a cloak on the shoulders. When he sleeps, he curls up under it, head and all. During the summer, a lighter short-sleeved coat is worn. He carries a staff or a club and a characteristic attitude is to make a rest for his arms by placing the staff on his shoulders as against his back or neck. When an especially productive spot is found, the shepherd may pass the time while the animals are grazing by playing on his pipe. He sometimes carries a sling of goat's hair. 
His chief belongings are kept in a skin pouch or bag. His chief belongings just in a bag. This bag is usually a hole toward skin turned round inside out and the legs tied up and the neck forming the opening. He's usually aided in the keeping and defending of his sheep by a dog. In Syria, Kurdish dogs made the best protectors of the sheep, as unlike uh, dogs in towns, they're fearless. The sheep, the shepherd is often called upon to aid the dogs in defending the sheep. Whether they had dogs or not, I don't know, but this is just giving us an example of shepherding in that region. So here are these quite simple characters. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the flock, keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherds were just going about their everyday work. And then God got in contact. Think about it. Moses got his calling, received his credentials while keeping the flocks of Jethro. Gideon was threshing wheat by the wine press when the angel came to him. Saul was going to seek his father's um, asses. Samuel waited to anoint David whilst they got him from assisting his father's sheep in the wilderness. Elisha was ploughing when Elijah walked by. They were going about their normal business when God called them. Praise and worship in church is great, but we don't need all of that to hear God call us. He can call you whenever, whatever you're doing. We're not out of the way of divine visits when we are employed in an honest, I say an honest calling, because that makes Joel sound like he's not in an honest calling. But what I mean is not full-time ministry. If you're not employed in a full-time ministry, and you know what I mean, I know we can get hung up on what I mean by that. But if you're in a job that's considered not full-time ministry, that doesn't mean God isn't going to call you or use you. If you're where God has purposed you to be, he's got a purpose for you and he's going to call you. You're not going to get an answer phone message that says you've had a missed call or whatever. He will get you if he wants you. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around and they were filled with fear. I love the fact... Um, that in most Bibles, it refers to this as uh, the shepherds and the angels. But in the message, if you read this in the message, the section is titled, An Event for Everyone. I think that's so much better. Because the angel says, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a saviour who is called Christ the Lord. I think in the, the message it says for the whole world. Or worldwide, a message that's worldwide. This message that was being brought to these common people, these misfits, these people on their own, was actually a message for everyone. It didn't come to the priests and the leaders. It came to common people. The message of Jesus is for everyone. Everyone that you knock on the door, everyone that the healing on the streets people see, The message is for everyone, even those insignificant or marginalized in the secular world. God has this way of working contrary to what we would expect, doesn't he? He came to earth as a baby, 
in a feed trough. I know we say manger, but that's what it is. It's a feed trough. There was no recognition from his own people. The chief priests and other religious leaders weren't necessarily notified at the time. God is not into riches and status. At the end of the day, he chose to announce this good news to shepherds of all people. Got me thinking about some significant shepherds. I don't want to dwell on this too long, but a lot of the patriarchs were shepherds in the Old Testament. Some of these we heard about. I was a bit worried, but then, as I say, Rachel appeared on that list, and I was quite pleased. Throughout the Bible, then, we're referred to as his church, as the Israelites, and then now us, we're referred to as uh, God's sheep. And, of course, Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. So by revealing his birth to people on earth that are pictures of what he is to us, there's a load of decent symbolism in that as well. Their occupation represented his role for us. So they were probably local Jewish men living with their flocks in the field outside Bethlehem, doing a hard job and sociable hours. Nobody else wanted that job. And as I say, you can be doing the most mundane job, but if God, if you are where God intends you to be, then he can and he will, if you're willing, use you. The other thing I find quite ironic about the shepherds as I was reading about them is that they weren't the most trusted in society. Apparently, they weren't allowed to testify in court even if they were eyewitnesses to something. Yet God chose to use him as an eyewitness of his uh, great news. I just thought that's God, only you. But it was fab. God chose them to be the first witness. It's an event for everyone. And I love, if you haven't read Brennan Manning's uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel, I love to recommend it to you. I just want to read a little bit for it. It talks about the gospel, the good news. The gospel is for the bedraggled, beat up and burnt out. It's for the so, uh, sorely burdened who are still shifting their heavy, heaven suitcases from one hand to the other. It's for the wobbly and the weak need who know they don't have it all together and are too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. It's for the inconsistent and steady disciples whose cheese is falling off their cracker. It's for the poor, weak, sinful men and women. It's for the bent and the bruised who feel that their lives are a grave disappointment to God. It's for smart people who know they are stupid and honest disciples who admit they are scallywags. The gospel is first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, and even the shepherds. It's for everyone. So, the angel says, was it Gabriel? Don't know. It doesn't say. It tells us it was an angel. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day a city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. These people overlooked and disregarded by many give us a hint of God's kingdom ways. Uneducated, untrained, unskilled, smelly, rough. They were still invited to the party. And this is because this good news is for absolutely everyone. And I just want to take a minute here 
invite you all to close your eyes and just ask if anyone here this morning, prior to this point, felt they were too smelly, too dirty, too uneducated to actually ask Jesus into their life. I want to just give that opportunity for you this morning. If you have never asked Jesus into your life, but you would love to do that this morning, to start this relationship, to have the slate wiped clean, coming just as you are, then can I ask you just to, um, while everybody's eyes are closed, just to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. That's fine. There's nobody this morning, but as a church, we do love to give that opportunity. uh, And it's not a one-off opportunity. If you're thinking about it and you think, oh, I wish I'd put my hand up or I want to speak to somebody afterwards, then please come and speak to one of us after the service. Uh, We'd love to pray with you. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus at this time of year, we acknowledge the salvation. God's plan includes whoever chooses to acknowledge, accept and follow Jesus. Irrespective of nationality or even occupation, social status, none of them are relevant. Do you know what is? Our response to Jesus. It's just an excuse to show you my lamb photos, isn't it, really? As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Jesus is our great shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. Ephesians 2 says, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away has been brought By the blood of Christ. Okay. Nearly there. This is how we announce a birth in the UK. A royal birth. God chose to tell the shepherds about it through a messenger and then a choir. Just imagine sitting there in the dark listing out for the sheep predators. Maybe it's your turn to be on duty, so the other one might be having a snooze with the other shepherd. Maybe not. Maybe you're the one on. And then someone turns on the lights, really, really bright. And then there's a massive choir just after the message. I I think of the Michael McIntyre TV show where they go into the guy's bedroom at night. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And they wake him up. uh, And it's, what's going on? And their response isn't quite always great. But the thing is, with shepherds, one of them at least would have been wide awake listening out and waking up and ready. So we need to be ready when God calls. Some people might say, what a waste of a beautiful choir just for those few people on the mountaintop. But as we say, in his eye, those people are just as important as anyone else. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's see this thing that has happened. No doubt. They didn't question it. They knew it had happened because the angels had said it had happened. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can to see what God has revealed to us. They didn't need any prompting. As soon as the angels had left, they'd hurried off to Bethlehem. They might have had to leave their flock. Having just been told that they they would selfishly protect their flock, 
actually, they'd been called to a higher thing. God had called them. They had to trust him because they were doing his thing. They had to trust him with what they were leaving behind. They had to trust him when they acted. But they did it without haste. They, 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 sorry, with haste. They went straight. Do we hurry when you hear God's word? Do you act on it promptly? I think they say delayed obedience is not obedience. So do you do it when God calls you to it? The other thing is that when they went, they didn't say, oh, let's take some stuff with us. They went as they were. I know in the Christmas cards they say they took a lamb, and that's what we sing about, but it doesn't say that. They just went. I always wondered what Mary and Joseph would have done with that lamb anyway. I mean, I've got an idea, but the vegetarians amongst us might not agree. They came empty-handed. They had no expensive gifts to bring. They came to acknowledge him. Bring their praise and worship as an offering. What we were doing this morning. We too come. We have nothing that he desires of us apart from ourselves. And when they saw it, or saw it, they made known the saying they had been told concerning the child. And all heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. After meeting Mary and Joseph and seeing baby Jesus, they shared with everyone they met what they'd experienced. They'd seen it for themselves. God's word fulfilled. And as Jews, they knew what it all meant. A promise for the hope for the future. They had a great story to tell. And guess what? They told it. We have a great story to tell. Are you telling it? You've encountered Jesus. You have a commission to go and make disciples. Are you doing that? Are you sharing it? But what I really love about this whole scripture is that the shepherds returned. They went back to the life they were doing. Now, they might change as a person, but what they were doing, that's what they've been, that was their job. They went back, they returned, but they continued to glorify and praise God. Do you do that at work? Do you glorify and praise God? Do you um, uh, remember all that you've heard and seen? They went back to their flocks and their folds. God doesn't call us all to be apostles He wants you to be apostles and preachers in private to those in your little groups. Not necessarily for everybody to be standing and preaching, but you have a responsibility to pass on this great gift, this message, this news. He wants the tidings to be told in the valleys and the hills amongst the other shepherds, in the markets, in the shops. He wants it told everywhere to proclaim the good news. So, I know all good sermon have three points, that I have ten, but this is literally just a quick whistle-stop through some of the things. We don't know who the shepherds were by name, or how many there were. I thought they were called shepherd one, shepherd two, shepherd three. We don't know their social status either. We, we, we take a hunch based on what we know about the shepherds. But do you know what? It doesn't matter what we think, what their names are, what their social status is, God saw them and they were important to him. 
And that's the same for each one of us. God loves the outcast, the lost, the unseen heroes. Jesus invites all of us to come to him. They were the first to be told by being busy doing what they always do. They saw and heard the angel of the Lord. And guess what? They were afraid at first. Being afraid is fine, guys. Oh, I don't really want to go and give these cards out because I don't know what people might say to me. I'm really afraid. That's fine. That's a healthy response. But rest assured, God is with you. Holy Spirit will give you words in all these circumstances. They were afraid at first. They saw and heard the host of angels praising God. Just, I think that's amazing. They were, um, yeah, they believed the angels of the Lord and went to see Jesus with haste. They believed the message and they went. They became the first evangelists. You could argue that the angels were. They are an important part of God's story. And so are you. So, are you willing and available for God to use you in your everyday life, where you are right now? I just want to pray. I'm going to pray a psalm of praise initially that's all known to us. The Lord is my shepherd. Reading from the Passion. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to the oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honour to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you are already there. You've already conquered it. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be ever with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you call each one of us, but you're also with each one of us. You have plans to prosper us, not to harm us. And Lord, as we leave this place this morning, I just pray for your protection over each one of us. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.